And hello, everyone, and welcome to the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I am Vic Batista, along with Nathan Jones. And yes, we're transmitting live from twave.tv and our various networks. And it's great to be here with you this week as we're going to continue looking at a verse-by-verse study in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, as we look at this God's mighty angel as well as these witnesses. So we pray that you can stay tuned to the program today. And remember, our lines will be open. 305-992-9537 is the number. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you for the book of Zechariah, Lord, which you have given us to understand uh, what the future is and to give us hope. And we pray everybody listening in, Lord, will have that hope. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning into our Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition with Vic Batista and Nathan Jones as we're looking at a verse-by-verse study in the book of Zechariah chapter 4. Hey, today's program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel. Aventura, Calvary Chapel Broward, and the Truth Will Set You Free Ministry. And of course, you can find more information here on www.twave.tv. Before we continue, I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones to our program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Great to be on, brother. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, life is uh, is good. The family's blessed. And we're able to come together once again, you and I, live to encourage our viewers and listeners. Hey, that's fantastic. You can't ask for anything more than that. Can't ask for anything more than the rapture than that, right? <laughs> yeah, I like the rapture now, but in the meantime, uh, I love getting into God's word and sharing it with people, so I'm so glad we get to do this program. Absolutely, Nathan. And also, you know, we enjoy so many wonderful things here on earth, our families. God is doing a wonderful work with your family, and I'm excited. Your kids, Nathan, they're so they're involved in some incredible projects at such a young age. It's so exciting. It is. It's a tough time to be alive in this world, but it's also a good time. Uh, very, very well put. See, that's why I love working with you, Nathan. This, you know, you make things fun as well. <laughs> no, brother. You're much better, uh, more fun than I am. But <laughs> uh, you picked a, a good topic today, too. I, I really appreciate it. The book of Zechariah is uh, the Old Testament revelation, kind of like Daniel. And uh, you can learn a lot from it, and it gives us tremendous hope. Yeah. Uh, it gave hope to Zechariah's peer, people during that time period, and It'll give us hope for the future. Absolutely. So, Nathan, before we dive into uh, Chapter 4, just briefly, would you be able to give us your contact information there at the ministry and maybe share a a, a way that people can grab hold of these wonderful resources that you offer? Well, certainly. uh, Again, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Associate Evangelist and Web Minister with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Folks can check us out at our website at lamblion.com or christandprophecy.org. And there they'll find our television show, Christ and Prophecy, hosted by Dr. David Reagan. That's broadcast all over the world. And we also have all sorts of articles, newsletters, social network groups, you name it. Check it out, lamblion.com or christandprophecy.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And those of you that are following us on Tweetcasting as well, you can follow the live link from our Facebook page and uh, check it out. Just a lot of wonderful, wonderful information for you to grow in the knowledge of biblical prophecies. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Nathan, for sharing that information. And Nate, you and I, we, we've taken a bunch of journeys through different books of the Bible, uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We went through the book of Revelation, God's Mighty Angel, and uh, actually you, you're reposting a lot of those there on the site so people can catch all those, right? That was one of my favorite series that you and I did. We, we went through Revelation, but you had this great idea, hey, you know, we need to look at Revelation through the eyes 
of the angels and how many angels were involved in that. And brother, there were so many angels involved. <laughs> so uh, fortunately, we were able to transcribe them, and I rewrote them in articles. And folks can check that out on our blog, which is ChristandProphecyBlog.org. And of course, we also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And uh, people can read along and or watch, excuse me, or yeah. listen, it's not watching, and they can learn about Revelation. So, brother, I'm glad we can take all these radio interviews and also turn them into yeah. teaching lessons down the road as well. Praise the Lord. And Nathan, along those same lines, we've also looked at these mighty angels uh, through the book of Daniel. And also we're seeing part of it in the book of Zechariah, although this is not your ordinary mighty angel, but this is uh, the one and only uh, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, right? Angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnation uh, of Jesus Christ. That was his, what he was called. We know that it's not just an angel, but it's uh, the Jesus Christ, because, for instance, Abraham or Gideon and others in the Bible worshipped him, and the yeah. angel of the Lord took the worship. And the other angel in the Bible, immediately when they get worshipped, they back down and say, yes. hey, wait, don't worship me, I'm just a servant like you. So we know that the angel of the Lord is is not a regular angel. It's yes. a, is part of the Trinity, and that, of course, being uh, Jesus Christ. Exactly. And these four, in these uh, uh, opening chapters, we see this this uh, revelation brought to Zechariah again through this angel. And you talked to us in chapter 3 uh, as we close that. That was a fantastic chapter there with, uh, again, Satan and Zerubbabel. And, and it's all this imagery in in here, right, Nathan? Oh, exactly. Uh, Zechariah, being, he was a young prophet at the time. When the Israelites were coming back from being in exile, the Babylonians, had, as a part of God's punishment, had exiled the Jewish people out of Judah and Jerusalem. They'd taken them far north into Babylon, which is right. Iraq. And that for 50 years, they were there and uh, having to be exiled out of the land. Well, finally, the Medo-Persian Empire came in. They conquered the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. And the new king, uh, Cyrus, made an edict that allowed the Jewish people to return back and rebuild the temple. Now... The temple wasn't, uh, it was totally destroyed. This, this was the one that Solomon built. And only a remnant of the Jewish people decided to go back, about 200,000. And among them was Zerubbabel, their governor, who was a direct assign, uh, descendant of David. There was also Joshua, the high priest. There was Haggai, the old prophet, who was old enough to remember when Jerusalem was uh, uh, in its glory days. And then this young boy named Zechariah. Mm -hmm. So over the years, as they tried to rebuild the temple, the uh, they faced a lot of persecution from the local Samaritans. A new king came and said, halt, don't do work anymore, and the people started losing faith. And as they lost faith, they went home and built their own houses and not the temple. And that's where Zechariah, now a little older, and Haggai step in. They say, hey, wait a minute, you're busy building your houses yeah. and not the Lord's houses. And the Lord, in response, is making your crops not grow and mm. holding back the rain. If you repent and put the focus on God first, then your life will flourish. And amazingly enough, unlike all the prophets before, that's exactly what they did. They <laughs> repented, they gave their lives to the Lord, they, they dedicated themselves to refinishing that temple, despite what the local authorities said, and the Lord blessed them for it. And brother, I'm sure you can see a parallel our lives today, right? Absolutely. Nathan, you make such excellent points, and it's all about obedience. When I came to know Jesus personally, Nathan, I realized in my life, it's all about obedience. And of course, God loves his children, but he corrects them. He wants them to follow him when we do what's right. And that's the case here. And then we see God's blessing upon his people. So excellent point, Nathan Jones. If you can take us through chapter four, Nate, that will be fantastic. In case some people are watching or listening, maybe they didn't follow along in the, the, in the rest of the chapters. We're in Zechariah chapter four, looking at a verse-by-verse -verse study uh, through this incredible book. Thank you, Nate. 
Well, certainly. Well, Zechariah is getting a series of visions from the Lord, eight to be exact, and they're meant to encourage the people so they continue on in the work and give them hope for the future. Yes. So we are now at uh, the vision of the lampstand and the olive tree, and that one is the fifth of the eight visions, and it begins like this, verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep, and he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one on the right of the bowl, and the other is at its left. Mm -hmm. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me, saying, What are these, my lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, Well, no, my lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with, shout, with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Mm. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I answered and said to him, Well, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lamp and its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Woo! This is amazing. Thank you, Nathan Jones. I mean, mm -hmm. and of course, this introduces us to a number of parallels uh, in the Word of God, right, Nathan? I mean, uh, when you opened up there in verse 4, uh, verse 1, now the angel talked with me, uh, uh, came back and awakened me as a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And one of the thoughts that I had towards that, Nathan, I mean, I'm reminded in Matthew uh, chapter 1 at the birth of Jesus when these angels would appear uh, to Joseph and Mary and they would awaken them out of their dreams, right, to show them some incredible things. Yeah, what is it with angels? Why can't they come to you and talk to you when you're awake? They always wake you up to tell you something. <laughs> right, it's at the middle of the night, scare you half yeah. to death. Isn't that... <laughs> but you know, it... you're, you're, and it's true that a number of the prophets wondered, uh, I think of uh, Amos particularly, who wondered, uh, am I dreaming? He wasn't sure, but he was fully awake and yet in a vision. And that's, uh, I don't know why, God seems to send his angels to the prophets to give them when they're half asleep. Maybe it's to make us wonder if it's a dream or not, but nevertheless, the prophecies come true. So we know it's not a dream, it's an actual oracle by God. Excellent point. So Nathan, one of the things that he showed him was this, this lamp with this, made out of solid gold with his branches, but much like this menorah, right? Oh, exactly. And, and if, for people who don't know what a menorah is, a menorah is a seven lamp lampstand that was found in the temple. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Zechariah and his team would have been building one of these giant menorahs to put into the temple. Uh, you can go to Jerusalem today, and they're getting ready to build the third temple when they finally get permission to build on the Temple Mount. And they have the menorah. You can see it. It's in a glass case in the plaza of the Wailing Wall area, or which they call the Western Wall. And it's there, and it's this massive, and we're not, it's not small, it's, it's about a, you know, eight, nine feet tall, and about the same width, and 
what he's seeing here is this giant menorah. And menorah has been very important for symbology in the Bible. And obviously it's a real lampstand. Right. But it also represents what you and I read about both in Daniel, excuse me, Ezekiel and in Revelation, that the Holy Spirit is called the sevenfold spirit. Yes. It's a perfect spirit that is before the throne of God. So the menorah is actually a representation of the Holy Spirit who lights our lives. Mm, excellent point. Nathan, I love that. And, and again, I'm, I'm so glad that you clarify because we know that there's people listening or tuning in or others that will be part of this program in the future. And they're going to be saying, what is a menorah? And of course, <laughs> for yeah. individuals that live in a Jewish area, much like we do in Aventura, Boca, you know, when it's the time to celebrate the holidays, you see these menorahs everywhere. Yeah. And I think most people just think, why is that the Jewish lamb? But it's, it's more than just the Jewish yes. lamb. Everything that was put in the temple by God was to represent the heavenly temple where God is on his throne. Mm. And the menorah is the representation of the Holy Spirit uh, that provides the light. Uh, we think of Hanukkah, too, the festival exactly. of lights, where the Jewish people will light each one of the, the uh, lamps as it goes on until all of the lampstand is lit by the end. And that's what we're seeing here as well. You made the excellent point. And, of course, that, that brings us to, a, again, just an incredible passage here. Uh, again, the question, the two olive trees. And, 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 you know, he's asking the question. I'm so glad that you, rest, you, you read the whole passage because it sort of takes some of the guesswork out of it as it tells you the meaning of these things. But one of the things also no, uh, uh, that I noticed there, Nathan, that speaks to my life personally and, and many others, I, I noticed verse 6. So he answered and said to him, This is the word of the Lord, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Nathan, I was thinking, you know, I, I think even in my own personal life when there have been so many things that I tried to do in my own strength, right? And then God steps in and in his might and in his power and things just happen effortlessly, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've got a book that's in the works. It's about to be published on the Minor Prophets. And I was thinking, what would be a great verse that would kind of summarize the entire Bible? Like, if you're going to sign the book, what kind right. of verse would you want to inspire people that, you know, you put your name and then underneath you put, you know, brother, I'm glad we're covering Zechariah 40, because I think you just helped me find that verse. Because it's true. Everything we do is not by might, nor by power. We can't do it by our own strength, but by my spirit, capital God, God's spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And when we live in life and we're struggling to get things accomplished, we need to know that, sure, we can put all our effort in, but it's God who does the work through us and His Holy Spirit in us. Yes, Nathan. And, and you know, I, I, like I said, personally, I look back at my life and there's so many areas where I've pushed and pulled to try to make happen. And, and it's just so much effort. And yet when God steps in, oftentimes in so many areas, he just does things incredibly to show us, hey, stop pushing, stop pulling, stop trying to have your own, own way. Seek me and my spirit and watch what I can do. And then the spiritual bulldozer comes in, right? It moves those mountains that we can't. <laughs> <laughs> And that is so true, brother. I, you know, Jesus said that if we had faith as small as a mustard, yeah. then we can move a mountain. Now, it's not like that little boy movie where the kid actually moves a mountain, but, you know, we can move the mountains of problems in our lives by letting the Holy Spirit work through us. Uh, he's the true power behind this, and we just need to trust the Lord to get things done. It's hard. We, no, no person ever wants to give up control of their lives. Yes. And, you know, we believe that we need to get it done ourselves but we can't right i mean yeah. uh, we're just too weak we don't have the connections the resources or the power 
that God has the power to make things happen if we put our faith and trust in Him. Excellent point. And we want to talk to you that are watching and those of you that are listening. We see a few of you are logged on on our Twitcasting live page as well. Uh, feel free to post there your questions or your comments. But uh, the idea is that God loves you. God has a plan for you. His Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And you did not tune into this program right now by coincidence, but it was a divine appointment of the Holy Spirit. And God is at work in your life. So, Nathan, I just look at this passage and it's so powerful. It's helped me personally in so many areas. Like you said, sometimes we get sidetracked in, in their case here they were putting the things of the lord behind and concentrating primarily on their needs and building up their home and building up their lives but the spiritual things of god they were sort in the sort of like in the back burner and we see that happening a lot today with people right we do we do well how does this you you mentioned if i might ask how does this verse uh, being applied to your life and what things can you help us to, to relate to you when you say that this passage has been big in your life? A very good question, Nathan. Of course, as you know, we're in the middle of building our, our, our TV and our radio station. We just moved in into a new location uh, that the Lord allowed us to be able to purchase. But throughout the years, uh, there's been so many ways in which I've tried to make things happen, right? In other words, trying to figure it out in my mind. How am I going to do this? How is this going to work out? And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just sort of like uh, changes your focus and say, here's how I want you to do it. And all of a sudden, it's like all the pieces fall into place. <laughs> well, that's great, man. That's encouraging. Absolutely. So then that's one of the ways, Nathan. And then as we also look at verse 10, uh, another area is, you know, God is working in all of our lives. But a lot of times he speaks to us with a little, with a small, still voice. And, you know, most of us, we want everything to happen magically uh, overnight. But things take time. And I love verse 10 because it says, For who has despised the days of small things or the days of small beginnings? Right, Nathan? And, and, and it's almost like, I mean, here you are. You, you finally are getting to write your book. And it's finally going to get into publishing. And it's finally. But I'm sure there were times when you were just starting out and you were wondering, man, am I ever going to finish this thing, right? But those were the days of small beginnings. <laughs> and exactly. This, this vision in particular is aimed at Zerubbabel himself. Zerubbabel is a governor. He should be a king because he's in the line of David. But instead, he's a vassal to the Medo-Persian Empire. And he's been given this overwhelming responsibility of governing this land that is under Medo-Persian control, which... Fortunately, unlike the Babylonians, has been the Medo-Persians were very amicable to the Jewish people building, as long as they didn't get ahead of themselves and try to rebel and separate. But they allowed the temple. The, uh, the king wanted to appease all the other religions, so he allowed the Jews, along with every other religion, to go out and build their, their edifice. So Cyrus wasn't a, a worshiper of Yahweh, per se, but he was supportive of it. And so Zerubbabel was very discouraging. The Samaritans... Uh, they were, when the Jews were exiled out of the land, they let, the Babylonians left the poor people of the land, uh, the ones that were, didn't have a lot of money or were unimportant. They intermarried with new settlers, Gentile settlers came in and formed this group called the Samaritans, which the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other because the Jews saw the Samaritans as half-blood, so to speak. But the Samaritans weren't friendly either. They did not want the Jewish people back in the land again, and they continually pressed the king to stop construction, and they succeeded at one point, to the point where Zerubbabel could not build the temple, which he was authorized by Cyrus to do. And so Cyrus, uh, they had to find the edict to prove to the new king that they did have permission to build the temple. So at this point, Zerubbabel was pretty disappointed. He's got a 
the, the, the city of Jerusalem was shattered too. It was totally destroyed. So they're trying to rebuild this rundown, terrible city. They're trying to rebuild a temple with very little money. And you've got these people who are, are hungry and, and they don't have a lot of food. And so there's a lot of weight on Zerubbabel. Right. And so here, God himself, through the angel of the Lord, is giving Zechariah a vision to let Zerubbabel know that Zerubbabel is important to God. He is what he would call later his signet ring. In other words, Zerubbabel is to work on behalf of God to get the temple built. And it's meant to encourage Zerubbabel that he is going to accomplish this. Yes. And we as Christians have the Holy Spirit in us. We are his signet ring in this age, and we can be sure that the Lord is going to accomplish through us what he has planned for Ooh. us. Praise the Lord. Nathan, what a wonderful word of encouragement. Thank you so much. I mean, th this is just, there's so much in these 14 verses, so powerful, that I pray that anyone that is watching or tuning in will be encouraged by this. Also, we want to thank those of you that are tuning in live again. You're tuning into our Truth Who Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. And to answer Athig Muhammad's question, what this is about, we are in Zechariah chapter 4 and we're looking at a verse by verse study through the book of Zechariah so thank you for posting your questions and of course Nathan I just find a lot of encouragement uh, in this passage uh, as, as we see just uh, one verse after the other uh, uncovering uh, the I won't say the mystery but the questions that are being asked and as we look at verse 11 Nathan you you read uh, those uh, talking about the the olive trees and the olive branches yeah can you continue to uh, unravel this for us well this vision has a lot of imagery that's that's confusing it's confusing to Zechariah I mean how many yeah. times throughout this does he say uh, Lord what is these and and here the angel says, do you not know what these are? Right. And like, so he's honest. He says, you know, he could have said, yeah, I do. No, he doesn't. He has no idea. But so we do know what the lampstand is, and we, we know that because uh, the Jewish people would have known that because they know the lampstand is representative of the sevenfold spirit of, of yes. God, which is the Holy Spirit. But then you have these two olive trees, and what did they meant? Well, you got to remember that back in that time, olive oil, the, the mm -hmm. third press, they would press one press, um, and uh, that was the purest olive oil. That's where we get the term virgin olive oil. Then they press it a second time, and that would they get their cooking oil and all. And then the third time, it, it was very dark, and it wasn't as good quality, and they would use that to power their lamps. So, again, they didn't have light bulbs or electricity. They had little lamps all over the place, and they right. were powered by olive oil. So this olive oil is coming continuously into the lamp, meaning that the the flow of God's love will continue into this. It will continue to be powered. In other words, this thing is not going to run out of fuel. Mm. Nathan, wow, you made some incredible analogies. I, I was thinking about that as you were talking about that third part of the oil that was used for powering uh, you know things and uh, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic and actually I, I grew up in the campo in the country where there was no GE light bulbs oh, there, was no, really? there was no electricity at all Nathan the only thing we had was lamps that we actually would use a wick with the oil and uh, there was no streets lights nothing so as you were talking it brought me back to my childhood where I grew up in the country where that's exactly how things were and oil was so important especially at night Wow, man, that gives me some real insight. You know, I know why you love uh, electronic gadgets so much. You were deprived as a child. I was. I sure was, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> I tell people that we, I'll take them to a missions trip to where I came from, and then they will they they will see exactly uh, why I'm so excited about the United States of America and certain things that we have here. Well, amen, brother. Wow, that's great. 
But Nathan, you, you also made a very good point. You know, people's lives today are dark. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that lights our lives is, is Jesus Christ, right? Nathan, he is that oil. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, his Holy Spirit is always overflowing through us, right, Nate? And, and it never runs out. It doesn't. It doesn't. The Holy Spirit is endless. God is omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. And he's omnipowerful. He is the ultimate in strength. His strength is boundless. And when we tap into that, just as this lamp is tapping into the, the olive trees here, the oil flows forever. In other words, God's power flows through us with forever. And what God will have us do on his behalf, we can be sure, like Zerubbabel now can be sure, that we will achieve what God wants us to achieve. Mm. We just have to put our faith and trust in him. And even to add more to it, then the Lord goes further and talk, gives about two anointed ones yes. to stand beside the Lord the whole So it's not just God, but God sends his agents to continue his will as well, as we read in verse 14. Excellent point. And Nathan, when you, when you and I were talking uh, off the air, you mentioned that this is a little bit of a hard passage, right, Nathan? Because it's very hard. It's very hard because, and we understand there's different views here regarding these two olive branches, these two anointed ones, uh, who they could possibly be. We know in Revelation chapter 11, it talks about these two witnesses. And some have actually referenced these olive branches to uh, these two witnesses. But I think, like you said, we can actually draw some good parallels from here. We can. A lot of people have read this passage, and again, to understand this vision, you need to read a lot about the Bible prophecy, so you, the different representations make sense. The menorah, for instance. I mean, how many people would know that that represents the right. sevenfold Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or the olive trees, or, or the two witnesses? And the most, I think the most people look at this when they see the two anointed ones, they immediately jump to Revelation 11, sure. and they look at where God has two anointed ones, they're called the two witnesses, and God will one day, this is future, send these two witnesses to Jerusalem. And at the very beginning of the seven-year time period called the Tribulation, they will be God's witnesses in Jerusalem to the whole world. And for three and a half years, they will witness and share God's message from Jerusalem. And the one world later, the Antichrist and the whole world will hate these people right. because they speak the truth. And finally, God will allow the Antichrist at the midpoint of the tribulation to kill these two witnesses in the Bible in Revelation 11 says the whole world rejoices at their death but God three and a half days later resurrects them and the yeah. whole world sees that miracle so are these two anointed ones that we're reading in this fifth vision also the ones of Revelation 11 I don't know mm. some have said that Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses yes. others say Enoch and Elijah are the two witnesses could be two Jewish guys that will be alive at the time, but you know are not connected to the Bible. Whatever, uh, are these the two witnesses? They could be. They very well could be representation of the two witnesses that we will see in the tribulation. Brother, we just don't know. We just, you know, Nathan, I, and I, I really love that about uh, about us and you yourself. What we try to do here is that if the Bible is silent, we need to remain silent. And if we're speculating, we also need to share that. Hey, this is my opinion. This is what I think because I think that will help the viewers and the listeners understand that it's also open for the Holy Spirit's revelation of things. Correct, absolutely right. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us in our studies, but we need to study. You know, if we don't, yeah, if we just read something and just. Pull out whatever meaning we want, that, that's, that's chaos. You, you can't interpret the Bible like that. You have to go to the Bible, interpret it literally, yes. look in its context, and look for the symbology to be explained 
throughout the rest of the Bible. Excellent point, Nathan. And, and of course, uh, that's exactly what we're doing here. And that's why I'm so glad that we're taking this through a verse-by-verse study and being able to reference other passages in the Bible and other books in the Bible to hopefully bring some clarity to our viewers and our listeners according to uh, what the Bible pro- what the Bible has to say regarding prophecy rather than just guessing and making things up. So that is a great point that you made, Nathan. And, and you know, Nate, I know uh, in every program, uh, although times go, time goes quickly, we also like to pause a little bit to encourage that person on the other side because maybe they don't have a relationship with the Lord and maybe they just tuned in. Uh, they happen to be passing by the channel or in this case, the website or the web link. <laughs> and, uh, and they just tuned in. But I, we, also, we always believe in divine appointments. We believe that God draws people because he wants them to know how much he loves them. And God wants people to start a relationship with him so they can uh, be empowered by the spirit. And, and Nate, would you quickly maybe be able to share with that person how they can start the relationship with the Lord right now? We need to trust in the Lord. The Lord has your best interest at heart. Matter of fact, He willingly let His Son die, Jesus Christ, on the cross for your sins. And Jesus beat death by coming back to life. And He took your punishment upon Himself. But in faith, you have to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And all you have to do is give your life to Him. Pray from your heart, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And He promises that He will save you. Forgive your guilt and give you an eternity of hope with him. Praise the Lord. You know, Nathan, I, I, um, I'm, I'm so grateful for that invitation. And maybe you are on the other side and you pray to receive the Lord. Well, we would love for you to get a hold of us and let us know. 305-992-9537 or 321-END-TIME. And we would love to give you more information regarding this relationship that you have just started. And uh, watch how the Holy Spirit will continue to fill your life to overflowing. Nathan Jones, this was an amazing passage. And unfortunately, we're pretty much at the end of our program. But thank you. Thank you so much for opening up this portion of scriptures to our listeners and our viewers. It's always a joy to have you on. Great to be on, brother. I love this passage. Thanks for going through it. No problem. Thank you, Nathan Jones. And of course, for those of you that are tuning in, we thank you for tuning into our program. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, we've been making our way through the book of Zechariah, verse-by-verse study. We're in Zechariah 4, and we've come to the end of our program. But listen, if you're in need of prayer, any questions or comments, feel free to give us a call even after the program, and we would love to pray with you. But we hope that you have an amazing, incredible week. And look up, because Jesus is coming very, very soon. Have a great day. May the Lord bless you.